0: Welcome to the 5G TechVitory Podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds.
1: Good morning. The stage is yours. All right. Thank you, artist. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is a topic that, um, that I write about quite frequently as a, as a technology analyst on the Forbes.com platform. And what I'd like to do is break it down into four areas, um, first talking about security, uh, then interoperability in supply chain, uh, performance, uh, because I think you know, early on um, a lot of naysayers pointed to Open RAN as being more cost optimized versus performance optimized, and there have been some things that have been you know, addressing that particular issue, and then finally sustainability, which obviously is a very important uh, topic to the region. And, quite frankly to the world as well, but um, let's jump into security gentlemen and you know from my perspective when you disaggregate infrastructure it tends to create an expansive threat surface, so the first question I'd like to pose to the panel, um, I mean quite frankly does more work need to be done here to ensure the security, now I will mention there is a security panel later in the day, um, but we still I think it's important to touch on the security aspect, so uh, maybe Timo we can start with you
0: yes so um uh, so as you you know i represent red hat and indirectly uh, open source communities as well millions and millions of uh, developers out there on various open source uh, projects and and communities and and we do believe um, first of all that open source alone is a big uh, influencer of uh, insecurity because there are so many you know eye pairs looking at the code and uh, and the potential breaches are are found very quickly because there are so many people and they are fixed or also very quickly because of this massive community so that's the open source part of this whole thing and within the open ran um we also think that you know a few things disaggregation of the functionalities into smaller pieces like radio unit distributed unit and centralized unit and others it helps uh, in the security domain as well because the entities are smaller mm-hmm. and if there is a breach security breach it it typically will be in one of those smaller entities and, sure. and maybe it's easier to fix and of course we have organizations like oran alliance and others who are working diligently on on securing communication between these entities and and uh, and, and the whole deployment.
1: Sure. You know, and I think one of uh, the benefits of you know the open source community is having this whole upstream and downstream um, scenario where you have more eyes on on potentially you know issues and security being one of those. I know Alexander, you want to weigh in on this as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, as as Tim already said, uh, more doors mean more possibilities to get in. On the other hand, more doors also c- could mean more guards at the door uh, and uh, having smaller chunks that are more easy to manage and control. Um, certainly the uh, Oran Alliance, as you already mentioned, uh, has put strong focus on security. Right. Uh, we have now the zero trust pr- uh, principle where everything, need- every action basically needs to be authenticated. And uh, by using tools for, for traffic monitoring and, and deep packet inspection, these are just tools to also uh, operationally verify uh, that this uh, communication is not uh, frauded.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah and we're going to talk more about, you know, Oran Alliance, Open RAN Policy Coalition, and these entities that are trying to drive standardization and harmonization because that that's one of the challenges as well. But Slavomir, I, n- I know you want to comment on this topic as well.
3: Yeah, so I fully agree with, with the guys that uh, having a disaggregated system means that we have more eyes and ears to um, identify the potential threat. But whether we can make use of it, that depends on how we build the actual um, open run, the actual stack. Because Mm -hmm. um, in order to make use out of this information that we sense regarding the threats, we need to be very reactive if we sense the actual threat. So um, let's say move CU from instance from one uh, endangered location to another one. And that indicates that maybe, because we are talking about 6G as well. Sure. Um, in this transition between 5G and 6G, we will see that the stacks need to be disaggregated to the further extent, not just DU and CU, but they should be uh, more liquid, uh, kind yes. of, so that yep. uh, the reactivity can be instant to, to the threat that is identified through those um, more ears and, and eyes. Sure.
1: you know, and. We're not, you know, we're not talking about it, but you know, vRAN is not the same as OpenRAN. It's, but when you virtualize anything, right, um, and you bring cloud scale into it, that opens up a whole host of, you know, blind, ga- you know, blind spots and gaps that that need to be addressed with sort of cloud-native, you know, application protection is an example. But absolutely. David, anything uh, final to add before we move on to the next topic?
4: I mean, I, I, I agree with with all that was said, really. But just to just to zoom out a bit, you know, the UK government has made the policy decision that having to rent two major vendors in the market is in itself a massive security and resilience risk. So yeah. the idea of having open run and more vendors is inherently more secure for critical critical national infrastructure. Yeah. Um, I agree with the points, you know, more doors equals more guards at the doors. Also, there's a massive development community you know, problems will get identified and solved more quickly. Having said that, we're not naive. We are aware there are security risks, but that's why we're investing so much money in test beds and trials in Sonic Labs. When new vendors can come and prove that their kit is secure and reliable, at least as yeah. secure, um, before it goes goes to market. Um, so yeah, agree. But just wanted to set the big picture as well.
1: No, no, that's great. And you know, the reality is, you know, beyond just disaggregated infrastructure in general, cybersecurity continues to be a huge challenge for organisations. Um, not only you know service providers, but but enterprises as well. Bad actors continue to get sophisticated. Now we have AI and generative AI, and it's a double-edged sword. Um, it's going to improve the capabilities of cybersecurity solutions, but at the same time, enable bad actors to be even more creative. So, this issue isn't going to go away anytime soon.
4: Sorry, quick Just on that. Yeah. Throughout history, new technology brings advantages and disadvantages. And, right. Um, you know, it, it, the market is going towards open run, and we're going to have to solve these issues.
0: But they are absolutely not insurmountable.
1: Right. Good point. So can yeah. I add sure, one, sure, mo- one sure. more
0: dimension? So yesterday we were running a a supply chain security, you know, co-creation event, and uh, supply chain security is is highly interesting now in open run and also in this disaggregated 5G core because there are now. Tens and tens of vendors providing their, their, their components and technology. Right. So securing the s- supply chain, even before anything else, is is has become more and more important.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, when you think about supply chain and the ramifications, and you know, in the inflationary uh, pressures that we're experiencing on a global basis, um, you can you can just look at Solar Winds and you know that famous you know breach. Um, you know, supply chain is a vulnerability that needs to be definitely addressed. But let's move to interoperability, uh, integration, and supply chain. That's a great segue, Timo, to the next topic. And you know, from so from my perspective, you know, we are well into five G deployment, and many of the the RAN plans were locked, wait, you know, back in 2017 and 2018, before even there was a discussion around open RAN. You know, um, and so from my perspective. Does that, does that kind of make Open RAN relevant for 5G, or is it more of a 6G consideration, which is sort of the title um, of our session? So maybe, Alexander, we can start with you.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, as, as you said, 5G was defined quite a while ago, and Open RAN cam, came a bit late. And that's, uh, f- from my understanding, one of the reasons why we currently see a delay. Um, on the other hand, um, it, any RAN always needs a fallback RAN. Um, And this is maybe one of the technical reasons for the delay right now, because um, if we look at the RAN uh, rollout, particularly in the Western world, it's it's primarily still non-standalone, so you have an LTE anchor. um, And Open RAN was not designed for LTE. It works quite well with 5G, but for LTE, you have to do some tricks, you have to do some adapters, you have to work with the legacy vendors. Uh, who obviously don't necessarily like to get new vendors in so you're a, a little bit in a lock-in situation We're now looking at 6g uh, 5g is designed for open run or open runs was designed for 5g so then you would have 6g with fallback on 5g right. uh, which Probably will mean that the mass rollout of uh, open run will happen in 6g while now in 5g we will certainly see a couple of stages um, first with still single vendor networks based on the open run interfaces then in the next stage and the next role of uh, wave of tenders also exchanging some of the components with, with other parties and then finally in 6G it's going to be very flexible. You know,
1: you know from my perspective where I see it playing in a 5G world is obviously Greenfield. So you know you have operators like Dish Networks that's trying to launch you know, its, its first mobile network, in public network in the United States. You have Reliance in in India. You have Rakuten. Um, boy, there's a lot of history with Rakuten. You know, they're probably the poster child for disaggregated infrastructure and and, and open ran and, and that sort of thing. But you know, um, you know, and, and also like in Europe, Vodafone has been very bullish on open ran as well. And you know, they they boast having some of the you know largest deployments. And I think you know even for brownfield networks in rural areas where you have subscriber uh, less subscriber density, open RAN can be, you know, a viable alternative to a traditional, you know, um, RAN infrastructure just from a, from a capex perspective. But that sort of leads into to the next point that I want to discuss with the panel, and it's around integration. And so, in the past, traditional RAN vendors and Ericsson and Nokia and Samsung Networks and Huawei, you know, up, up until most recently, um, they did all the integration work, uh, but it was quite costly. To the public mobile network operators. I mean, I've spent time with T-Mobile in the U.S. and you know, uh, Mr. you know Neville Ray, who's now retired, and John Saw, and they would always complain about, man, you know, we, we have to pay you know millions of euros and dollars, you know, for this integration. But you know that that does become a challenge, and who's going to you know kind of pick up the the mantle there? And what's interesting, you've seen some mobile network operators step up. So I mentioned Rakuten with Symphony. Um, you know, Tarek was leading that charge. He's he's now he's now moved on. And but recently, you know, Alexander, you and I were talking about this just this week. NTT DoCoMo with its ORX platform, they're they're blueprinting. They're trying to close the gaps. And so, um, and I know that you've spent some time with NTT DoCoMo, Alexander. So any any thoughts here on the integration front?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, integration is obviously the most biggest challenge uh, in, in open run because if you chop it up and then you, you're trying to piece it back together uh, that's where the work comes and as you correctly said that's something that has been taken over by the major network vendors in the past now you we are looking at the mix and match what is um, very important for me in that uh, in that context is to limit this uh, the effort because uh, by if, if you just look at the number of uh, of components and uh, if you have what five uh, vari- varieties on every of those network components? It obviously scales just multiplicatively. Yeah, uh, right. therefore, if you do complete end-to-end testing, yeah. so what's important is that we need to have some uh, some baseline testing as a certification of the individual components that at least take you 80 percent of the way. Um, and for that, it's it's obviously necessary to have uh, independently developed test measurement equipment to have a yeah independent reference that you can test against, and not just One golden device, because you never know how golden the device really is. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, blueprints are great, but I know Slavomir, you've got some some perspective on this as well from an integration standpoint.
3: Uh, Well. Actually, on the contrary, we don't see much of the issues on the integration, of okay. course, uh, that there is this interoperability testing where Sonic Labs, for example, they help a lot uh, right. by providing the great environment for various vendors to- An, open,
1: uh, an example of open source, right, with yeah, yeah,
3: an open source, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, but beyond that, um, the way Open Run should, should be provided to the customers, I think, should not differ much from the basic IT, so that sure. you, you reuse the same um resources at the i at mean the it's common side. off the shelf
1: servers and exactly. software yeah
3: th- that's the point plus uh, the hardware should be plug and play or you should be able to reuse as much as possible the hardware that is already existing i'm talking now about the computing hardware right so that puts uh, a bit of a different perspective and uh, and i think that th- really this this is the direction to uh, to make these uh, rollouts and deployments as easy as possible to uh, look where we can save on resources rather than add new ones. Sure. Last, uh, this is also a uh, widely uh, known misconception that uh, the integration is such an effort that who would uh, be the, the party taking this on, they, on their shoulders, right. while there are plenty of com- companies willing to enter this business right. uh, because they are IT integrators, so they would love to integrate to the, the new kind of IT stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I hear the other argument that, you know, does the integration, does the OPEX of that integration eat up the CAPEX savings, right? Yeah. Because you, you see all these these figures, you know, OpenRAN can deliver 40% improvement in CAPEX and 60% improvement in, in OPEX, but often the math is is funny when it comes to that, right? Timo, do you have something?
0: Yeah, so, uh, so first of all, we as Red Hat, we are a big proponent of... Uh, industry neutral integration labs like sonic lab and uh, i14 y lab in in berlin there's a telecom infra project community labs there are maybe too many of those right now but uh, but they are a good thing because they are neutral labs but i'd like to touch the point of the entity docomo orex just a little bit because it's a good example of um, of close collaboration to make things happen so as said docomo decided to have four different blueprints which which have a set of vendors and components for this one and this one and this one and this one so four different ones Right. and uh, and it's been a very close uh, collaboration and partnership between these vendors and companies and individuals and it has turned out to work really well and they will even deploy not in large scale but deploy on the field those blueprints with these vendors. And what I'm hoping Docomo would do, that's their call of course, but I'm hoping that what they would do next is that they define next set of blueprints and a little bit shuffle these vendors and make another combination of interoperable components. It's a good example how to make it happen. Okay, granted it's it's, uh, operator-led, a yeah. big operator led. Right. And a it's little unusual. little yeah. unusual. And it's not the neutral app, but it has worked.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, it's a good point. And you know, and we've been talking, we've touched on it a little bit, we've talked about the ORAN Alliance. There's the Open RAN Policy Coalition. There's been TIP that's tried to harmonize the efforts of, of both. Uh, the European Commission as well. You know, and it's all about, you know, codifying standards for, for the deployment of this stuff. But you know often i look at all of that and i go are there too many cooks in the kitchen maybe that's a u.s expression and <laughs> maybe alexander you know you can weigh in on this i mean and obviously they're they're all they all have the right intentions but is, is it confusing things are there too many people involved or what what's your perspective there
2: i mean they, they all have slightly different uh, areas of expertise that they like to cover where the oran alliance is very much focusing on the on the interoperability and, and ensuring that the interfaces work correctly between all those new uh, com- uh, network components. TIP is more looking also at uh, at kind of integrating the 3GPP uh, tests and adapting them for uh, the new ORAN world. So mm-hmm. I think every every one of those ag- uh, organizations is is contributing um, uh, very much to the progress of of the standard. Um, what's a bit missing, and this has been discussed uh, over uh, over the last couple of months in various organizations, is really a, a kind of reliable. Um, a reliably working certification. I know that uh, TIP and and, and the OTIC labs, they are uh, providing badges, but that's kind of a a single snapshot in time. And uh, talking to one of the operators, they said, yeah, if if we certify a, let's say a radio unit based on software version 2.0.1 in March, and then we get it deployed in April, uh, it may be on 2.0.5 right. uh, and we it's don't almost
1: yeah, it's yeah. like this kind of like <laughs> staggered approach, right?
2: Yes, so they, we need to need CI/CD also for uh, For the testing right. and these are processes that uh, for instance are very well managed by uh, on on the device side by, by GCF and other organizations They have the processes in place to uh, uh, Also do these Delta testing and then provide uh, reliable test results to the industry so this um Test ones works everywhere. That's promoted by GCF. It would be great to have also in the ORAN space.
1: Sure. I, I know Timo, you've got some perspective, some added perspective here as well.
0: Well, um, the the ORAN spec, I mean interface spec, uh, domain is 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 kind of challenging from a few different perspectives. One is that. Uh, When you look at the ORAN Alliance compliant diagram with uh, RUDU, CU, RAN intelligent controllers and SMOs and all these things, there are many interfaces. And part of the interfaces are defined by 3GPP. Mm -hmm. And the other part are defined by ORAN Alliance. So only that creates a, a challenge for the industry because the specification work between these two organizations have to be aligned otherwise nothing happens sure so yeah and 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 verifying that the interfaces are are sufficient and effective and uh, well defined it's uh, it's one of the challenges
1: yeah you know i mean th- this is a fascinating topic we could probably spend the the balance of the panel you know discussing it and you know from the us perspective you know a lot of oran was driven from a supply chain standpoint um, recognizing, initially, that in many rural parts of the United States, there's, there's Chinese infrastructure there. I mean, obviously, telecommunications is critical infrastructure. Concerns that you know, cannot publicly you know, be, be shared, and, and there's a lot of rip and replace that's going on there, as well as in other parts of Europe. But, but it's also, it's, um, it's allowing the US to lean into software, which has typically been one of our um, strengths in technology. And as well as you know, you know, leveraging companies like Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Dell Technologies that deliver world-class server technology, and uh, so that gets to the to the third you know topic of, of the panel, and it's around performance. And so, I alluded to this earlier, but initially, you know, the the, the early naysayers around OpenRan uh, were were stating that you know it was basically cost optimized, you know, versus performance optimized. However, as we, you know, we flash forward from that point in time a few years later, um, we have solutions from from a silicon perspective from Marvell and Qualcomm, and other ecosystem partners that are addressing uh, the performance concerns with uh, with open RAN accelerator cards and and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, Slavomir, um, I know that you wanted to weigh in on this, but. Um, do more things need to be done here? I mean, we've talked about blueprints, but w- what else can be done to make Open RAN viable in a 5G world and then even more you know, proven
3: and tested in a 6G world? So I'll start with uh, with a bold claim that uh, you can have better performance at the lower cost, but okay. something needs to be done, something different. Faster, that...
1: cheaper, better, I like yeah,
3: that. Yeah, so- something <laughs> something different that we are doing so far. Now, when we look at the uh open run uh, solutions uh of of the pioneers that are right now on the market um they all grow, grew from uh upgrading the the 4g stocks sure and uh you know there were co- various uh, acquisitions of the companies so the origins are 4g and 4g was not a disaggregated system uh, per se yeah. so uh you have a solution which is uh like an upgrade of 4g basically and uh in general uh the the, the 5g by many and I, I i also belong to this group is perceived right now as just a better 4g okay uh, yeah, f- yeah for for the only reason of, i mean
1: that's of, a, that's a reasonable assumption yeah right?
3: but for the only reason of uh, having just the throughput improved by the f- by the sole fact that we have larger bandwidth available right but that's building providing more for more resources right and that's not a smart way to do so what i think uh should be done and that is possibly on the transition between 5g and 6g is to focus on extreme extremely efficient use of resources the existing resources so getting most out of the computing that we have and the bandwidth the the spectrum uh, which currently most of the time is unused Uh, either spoiled by the interference because we have a very competitive um, algorithms in the radio interface that are competing for Spectrum, or uh, the capacity is wasted at the computers because we dimension servers for the busy hour for the worst case. Right. So Something needs to be done with this. And Better
1: provisioning. Exactly, uh, when, we, when, uh, we,
3: when we address this issue, then I'm sure we can have cheaper yeah. uh, solutions with, with better performance.
1: Well, you know, and I think this whole notion of standalone and non-standalone that was introduced within the 5G new radio. Deployment um, has also affected the performance because when, when you sort of look at where we're at, I mean, you know, most most regions around the world are are still non-standalone. That that's you know we're beginning to see some acceleration in the U.S. I mean, T-Mobile was first to standalone. And just for the audience, that that's matching 5G core infrastructure with 5G RAN in in a non-standalone scenario. Kind of I call it the tweener. Um, it allowed mobile network operators to focus on the radio access network first and then go back and upgrade the uh, core infrastructure. And honestly, you can't get to things like network slicing and the full potential of ultra low latency and fast throughput and massive device support until you get to standalone. So, but you know, also what's really important in all of this is network design, right? And test and measurement. And Alexander, I mean, you're, you're representing one of the, the, the biggest test and measurement companies in, in the world. And um, so, h- how important. Is test and measurement and in making you know ultimately open RAN successful
2: yeah i mean as, as uh, i already brought the example of, of mobile phones and um looking back now at, i think yesterday there was an article in one of the newspapers that we have now 50 years of of digital mobile telephony starting with gsm and the uh one of the reasons was that um we uh, w- that was the first time where we had really interoperability worldwide uh where we had roaming and and really standardization and uh and this standardization made uh, this, um, this technology successful worldwide. Standardization and also uh, then possibilities to, to test this according to the uh, agreed specifications. If we if we look at the performance that you just mentioned, uh, that's obviously also something that you can test in the lab, um, and uh, and uh, there are various approaches to do that. Uh, what, what we have to and and you also need to verify it in the field. What we need to be a bit. Um, careful of uh, right now is that we also define those lab test setups in a way that they are cost efficient because everybody is looking for the money right now, right? Sure. So um, and yes, you can test a lot of things in the lab. We can be very inventive. It's fun to design really hugely complex test systems, <laughs> um, but uh, we also need to to consider what we test in which way. Like uh, looking at uh, at receiver algorithms, at throughput. This is pretty much software it's baseband um and and this baseband stuff we should actually test on baseband and not build maybe complete end-to-end uh including later on the the over-the-air interface uh, setups to test such functionality yeah. uh, on the other hand it's important to to test the rf performance of the radio units with uh, with test equipment because this is what where we have excellent test equipment for we can sure. uh, benchmark uh, the performance the signal quality the uh, the receiver sensitivity which are the basic measurements that you do on on rf um and then we need to complement that with field testing because some things uh you you are just too complex to be simulated in a lab like and we saw that very much with f, with the um uh roll out uh of f r two which kind of got stuck along the way yeah. because we found that uh, real life can be much more complex than a simulation and um, and leaves and stuff um, Certainly impact uh, very much millimeter wave so at, at some point of time you need to go on the field and really verify sure. and it's important that all these things tie together and yeah. that they're consistent
1: Well, I mean that's why we're seeing so many proof of concepts right in the field But I know Timo like before you know we, we started planning for this panel You know we were talking about some of the concerns with front hall, right? so I mean, yeah. that that that's potentially a bottleneck here
0: right you know it could be but uh, you know it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, clear that we as red hat we have pretty much nothing to do with uh, with open front hall we provide the cloud platforms and automation tools and all that stuff but uh, on the other hand uh, uh, from the overall performance point of view we care on open front hall a lot because we are providing the timing and synchronization chain with precision time protocols, which go through the open front holes. So we just have to assume that open front hole works. But other than that, we don't have much to do that. But uh, I'd like to touch one point on this. Uh, It's both uh, integration topic, but uh, performance topic as well, which is uh, integrating the hardware accelerators into the system, DU specifically, of course. And uh, it's uh, kind of interesting that we, as a cloud platform vendor, we have to do all the hardware acceleration integration to allow access to the workload for, for the workload to the accelerators, yeah. and that's that's it's an integration issue, but it's also a performance issue, and it introduces a lot of work for us, which is okay. Yeah. We like work, yeah. but uh, there are so many many of those. You know, some people prefer, you know, look aside. Uh, accelerator. The other people prefer inline. Then there are accelerator vendors, and they are all different. And we do need to integrate all of those, which um, which kind of uh, introduces a a uh, some somewhat problem for certain uh, operator customers for for us who want to have an environment that. They have a RAN workload from this vendor, they have a RAN work workload on this vendor, and then they just change it between, between the platforms. And sure. as long as the, uh, the RAN workloads need different accelerators, that's not possible, right. because they need this one and this guy need this one. But it's a performance issue and it's an integration issue yeah. as well.
1: David, I promise I haven't forgotten about <laughs> it. seems like it's been forever since we've gotten you to weigh in, but I know you have a lot you know, to, to speak to on this topic, so would love to get your perspective.
4: Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I, I can't compete with fellow panelists on technical knowledge, but <laughs> from a, a government point of view, just as a bit of background for people if they don't know, um, the UK government had its uh, telecom supply chain uh uh, strategy published a uh, diversification strategy published about three years ago now and that was supported by 250 million of funding and um, two major goals are getting more vendors in the market but also supporting the development uh, and deployment of open now when we designed that fund we absolutely knew that testing was going to be key to to prove the capabilities so you know uh, at the start, some of the money went to the Sonic Lab, which I've mentioned already. But I, I agree with Alexander. There's only so many things you can do in a yeah. lab, and you need to test it in the field. Yeah. So that's why uh, 80 million of that funding went to the Open Networks Ecosystem Competition, and basically, consortia could bid in um, to to you know to, to win money to go improve their their systems, their solutions out in the field at scale. Um, and we stipulated that those bids have to focus on key challenges like um, high density demand in urban Im- urban areas, uh, the RIC, um, automated software, uh, yeah. So um, I guess my point is, you know, it needs funding, but the fact that people are bidding into this competition, they want to go and prove that it does work, right. that's evidence in itself for me. Yeah. And th- these aren't niche players, these, these are big major UK MNOs that are supporting these bids. Right. So. I, for me, the evidence is there that, that it can be done, and these test, test beds are going to be very important to demonstrate that to industry.
1: Yeah, you know, and I love the uh, you know putting the, the, the gamification into the into the scenario, the contest to drive you know interest and you know a You know, so I, I think there needs to be more sort of innovative approaches like that to get more people involved in the ecosystem. But let's let's shift just for the sake of time to our final topic, and it's around sustainability. You know, and um, I, I'm just going to, it's just a, a very, very general question. And, Alexander, I'll start with you. But, mm. I mean, can OpenRAN play a really tangible role in driving greener public and private cellular networks? Not only for 5G, but for 6G. And, like, again, you know, we're speculating about 6G. 3GPP hasn't published, you know, a standard yet. So, we don't know. Will it be terahertz spectrum? Who knows? But, 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 but can OpenRAN drive a more greener, sustainable cellular network?
2: definitely yes um i think actually with open RAN we now have tools to uh, to tweak um uh, certain components and we can for the first time look under the hood of the engine uh, and, and see what's going on there like uh, i mean run is very much on the rf side so the uh, radio unit is very important for us uh, looking at the run and depending on it which uh analysts you believe in uh, between 50 or 80 percent of the energy consumption is actually happening in the run so, uh, and now with this open frontal interface, we have the possibility to test the radio unit in isolation. So, use a DU emulator to run certain traffic profiles to see is this uh, is, does uh, more or less traffic automatically mean more or less energy consumption? Or is there maybe um, a, uh, a processor running all the time at full speed and doesn't really yeah. throttle down? Um, This is the first time that we can really uh, test this, make it visible and also then benchmark uh, certain vendors and certain uh, product lines against each other. So yes, I think Open really has a huge lever uh, to reduce uh, the energy consumption and uh, carbon footprint. Yeah,
1: you know, what's exciting, I mean, 5G is inherently, you know, more virtualized, uh, more software defined to your point. Uh, not that, you know, that can't be accomplished with traditional RAN deployments, but Slavomir, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, is the answer
3: it, yes as well? Yes, it's the, <laughs> the answer is yes, but uh, let me refer to Alexander's point on, on, on measurements because, sure. of course, this, this is very important to, to measure the single units and, uh, and elements, but the network itself is not just a summation of those elements. Uh, because they influence each other right. radio units through the use of the same channel, the same frequency, and they have uh, a, a, a very significant influence on the performance on the neighbors so and, and in um the loads of on the computing can be shared among uh, the number of computing units that are in the neighborhood sure. so uh, we need to find ways to measure the network as it is but of course the, the 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 performance and um the sustainability are very well connected we have an element uh in open run that is called run intelligent controller yep. which clearly um, yeah. exactly that that that's the tool to uh, influence how we can get the performance and and uh, and uh, energy savings out of the out of the system and i would just add to this that we have non-real-time rig near real-time rig mm-hmm. but what we should have i think is a real-time rig right because certain things uh, can only be done uh, in a real-time regime
1: sure sure and david i know the uk has some very very aggressive goals for net zero and, and carbon emissions, we'll, we'd love to get your perspective.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Re- really bold ambitions on net zero and uh, just an insight into being a policymaker in Whitehall, uh, it's drilled into you, everything has to have a focus on on, on net zero, quite rightly. Um, but even in our telecoms policy work it does and we've identified that Open run definitely can um, provide a greener solution. Uh, I particularly agree with, with Alex's points there, um, which I, w- I won't go over again. Um, I'm going to talk about funding again as well, and we were very pleased uh, last year to announce our first joint international R&D competition with the Republic of Korea, and that has a specific focus on energy efficiency mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and being, being greener, as you say. So, um, like the security questions, there are there are problems and some concerns around open run efficiency, but uh, they are absolutely um, possible to tackle. Um, And again, government funding is gonna be crucial to do that. And then just a final point, again, the bigger picture, if we're creating more innovative, uh, more secure and resilient telecoms networks that make more efficient road and rail and shipping, like the big picture. It has a
1: ripple effect Absolutely, so much else. That's just a fantastic segue to kind of the, the, the last thing that I wanted to discuss on this topic. Because sustainability is more than just power conservation. Um, There there are applications, for example, in agriculture, ag tech, to improve crop yield um, using low power sensors and 5G's capability to support a massive number of more devices than LTE for for IOT and water conservation and that sort of thing, so um, where do you see that impact happening? uh, Timo, you know, from from your perspective, I mean, it could really it could really make a difference. It, it, in the
0: world, it, it right? it can, and it should. Now, of course, coming back to the open run and what we can do, not being a radio vendor, nothing to do with the radios, but uh, as Alexander mentioned, uh, we have now opportunities to to manipulate the, the the low-level hardware features related to power management, like uh, X 86 C states, B states. and and really optimizing the usage of power on du and cu and any other application where where the cloud platform is uh, is present now and there are there are quite a few open source projects out there not really productized yet which are related to sustainability and power management and energy efficiency and all these things which is Mm -hmm. fantastic now we have to be very cautious on on manipulating these uh, CPU states because when you when you do that you also lower the performance characteristics of the server and sure. uh, mm-hmm. and that has to happen the manipulation of these states has to happen in close coordination of the application running so application whether it's DU whether it's CU whether it's anything else the application needs to give guidance to the platform that now seems to be quite Easy days so you can now do this and this and this and now i'm so busy don't do anything right. so it has to be and it's happening right now we're working with of course intel a lot and nec and and other people to do that so that's the part we can do in in open open run context directly yeah. what we can do indirectly is to host near real-time RIC which which will have or and already has A category of x apps for radio unit power management Mm -hmm. so indirectly we also contribute to power management in that way
1: sure I know Slava you've you've got some thoughts here and you know kind of where this could go as far as 6g because let's let's not ignore the fact that that was part of the description of this panel
3: (laughs) so when we see when when I see the uh, the networks of 2030 because that's roughly the timing where we should expect the 6G to be... be, Each
1: of these Gs has lasted about a decade, so
3: that sounds about right. More or less. Then then I see um, the networks uh, that are much more densified for the reason of providing uh, capacity because uh, densification is the largest component of providing uh, capacity Um, and uh, many... uh, are indicating that this capacity is rising exponentially so we really need to be prepared for a huge avalanche of 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 data and uh, right now uh, the the trend is rather to maximize the configurations of the base stations that are there uh, already and hence the tendency to use massive MIMO beamforming uh, that can improve the performance, but, but it's costly at the same time. Sure. Um, and for the sole reason that the acquisition of the site itself is very difficult and it takes a long of time. Uh, but when we take into account the fact that all around us, there are players of infrastructure, not necessarily telco infrastructure, that already possess localizations, and that we possibly could use them in rolling out the radio units Mm. or even pre-installing radio units as LAN cabling is right right now pre-installed in the buildings themselves, then we can find ourselves in a situation where the hardware is already there. The radio units are already there and computing is already there for the reason of edge computing that is driven by the applications. So that would be ultra dense, extremely dense network for which you need a new class of run, radio access right. uh, functionality to yeah. be deployed there. Yeah. So that, that's that's the vision we have.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, before we close, um, Alexander, David, any final thoughts, maybe Alexander?
2: Um, yeah, as it, uh, we already said, uh, the site acquisition is, is one of the most expensive uh, parts of the network rollout. Sure. Um, so, and, and we saw also yesterday there it a nice. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Right. It is. It is today. It is. Yeah. It yeah. It yes. Is today. It, it is. Yes.
1: Well, that's what OpenRAN hopes to solve, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're trying to solve. Uh, we are currently seeing uh, stacked antennas. With uh, antennas are getting larger, 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 just uh, to save um, the effort of going for another site. right uh, And that's maybe something that uh, really needs to change. Yeah. Also with l- lower power networks and...
1: Sure, yeah. yeah. David, any, any final thoughts before we go to Q&A?
4: Just to say quickly, you know, having openness and interoperability in the telecom supply chain, that is the key point for the UK government. Now we have focused on 5G for a long time. We are looking towards 6G. We want industry to do that. You guys are the experts, but that principle of openness and interop- interoperability has to maintain through. Um, that's That's what we really care about. So we yeah. don't particularly see a difference whatever number is before the G.
1: Great, well it's been a great discussion gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. I've learned a lot on this panel. We do have about a minute and a half for questions uh, we can also be available after the panel if you want to approach any of us but artists, do you want to field any questions for yeah me?
0: sure there are quite a few questions actually a live debate going on in the comment section but ian like is sure. chiming in with his question what incentive would a new entrant vendor have to invest in uh, open ran given you need scale and uh, guaranteed market whereby uh, disaggregation aims to reduce scale and provide more options with the ability to swap out vendors Furthermore, the large two uh, vendors now have open RAN solutions.
1: I mean, it is becoming a pretty crowded market, right? When you look at open RAN and like all the, you know, and then you know the traditional infrastructure providers like Samsung Networks are getting into small cells. So I'll just I'll just toss it openly to the to the panel. Don't be bashful, Anyone? So, Anyone?
0: So maybe, maybe I start. <laughs> so, you know, the whole open RAN and already network function virtualization earlier, like ten years ago. Which is all about the disaggregation. Uh, that just opened a door for many software companies like ourselves. Sure. We had nothing to do with the telco networks before. Now we do. Yeah. So we don't need to do much business case calculation. That's a great example. There is a yeah. opportunity.
1: Yeah, with OpenShift. Uh, yeah. And yeah. 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 Awesome. Oh.
0: Quickly, uh, yeah. funding
4: in the UK. We have. you know. Uh, not inconsiderable amounts of cash
3: to give uh, support to new companies who want to come to the market. Mm -hmm.
1: So, go to the UK.
3: (laughs) So, I'm representing a a new vendor, rising vendor, so uh, what helps is to get the attention of early majority market uh, early. Uh, not late, uh, so somehow to have, to have uh, assistance in crossing so-called chasm. And this is what Sonic clubs are doing. Sure. They are providing incentives for larger players, typically I would say risk averse, very much operators are risk averse, right. uh, to try out the, the new solutions. And that's, okay. that's a great example.
1: Yeah, awesome. excellent are we are we done we're done we're done Uh, we're out
0: of time but uh i want to remind you the gentlemen are here so please do take your time they have came here from all around the world so take your time and meet them and ask them questions in person afterwards as well but right now a uh, very loud round of applause to our dear uh, speakers Slavomir, timo alexander david and of course will for setting the bar bar so high for uh, this stage